We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, it's February 1st, 2022. I hope all is well. Let's talk about something that you're going to think is counterintuitive, but it will work to your advantage. You know, when we meet people, especially when it comes to dating and relationships, we have our standards, right? And we want to hold them to those standards and we want to hold them to those boundaries and so forth. But now, here's the thing. We also have expectations of those people. And believe it or not, there are some people that you cannot hold responsible for meeting expectations. You actually have to let them be themselves and never hold them to that standard of being accountable. Now, what am I talking about specifically? Let me break it down to you. We're talking about people that you may meet and as you see it is not worth you trying to set expectations for this individual because of the short time frame they will be exposed to you in your life. We do this with one night stands for instance. We don't care about the longevity of a relationship with this person. We don't care what their political views are. We don't care what their religious views are. We're only going to be with them so shortly that we don't care. And so what we do is take those standards and those requirements and those expectations and we throw them out of the window and we just have some basic criteria they may have to meet. And when I say basic, I mean very basic. It would be so low of a standard that you would not even think about holding this with someone that you were looking for as far as a commitment or an exclusive relationship. You objectify the person to a certain degree. I don't want to know about you. I just want to go into this moment and be out of it. You see, people do this when they cheat. Women do this as well as men. Now, here's the thing. That woman that wants to go out and do this meet a guy and have her fun frolic around she's not looking for a commitment she's not looking for a relationship she may even establish up front well we're just going to be friends with benefits or a hookup usually it'll be a hookup and not an FWB because that means you would have a recurring situation with that person now some FWBs have it where there are no expectations set But now here is the deal. This can expand to interracial relationships. This can expand to fetishes. You name it. It's an endless list. But usually people with this mindset is looking for someone 
that they can just go and have an event with. And it could be even a recurring event, but where there's no core at the center of it. This person can never hold that individual accountable. And in some cases, they don't care whether the person gets hit by a bus right after they finish. They don't care. So, this is where you wind up with hookups. And this is where complications begin when somebody gets pregnant on a hookup. And then all of those expectations you have lowered, all of those standards you have blown out the window, all of those things you try to assemble and try to apply it to that individual to be responsible. And that's where you run into problems. Because that person's looking at it as a no frills deal. We went, we had sex, we did our thing, now we're going away in our separate worlds. So what's the big deal? Why are you so caught up on that? That's the way they look at it. Women will do this when it comes down to revenge cheating. Guys will do this when it comes down to opportunistic cheating. Damn, she looks like that girl that dissed me in high school. She fine as hell. Oh, she's now giving me a phone number. Cool. Let me see if I can knock those boots as quickly as possible. Oh, I can. Let me hit it. Bam. He's afraid of getting caught by his woman. So he cuts it off, still keeps the number, and maybe tries back later on when he feels a little bit more comfortable cheating with her. Most don't. Usually women who have affairs, they usually have the affair and they cut it off. Men a lot of times will try to keep a cycle going. In other words, the woman has to kick him out of her vagina before he'll leave. It's the opposite way with women who cheat who are in relationships and marry. And of course, there are always exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, they may experiment once or twice. You see a lot of this with interracial relationships where the person's not really committed to being with a person of another race or ethnicity. They may be committed to the curiosity. They may be committed to acting out of fantasy. And so that person's nothing more than just an object that they're going to screw for whatever reason. And after that's done, they don't want to have any more interactions with them. Now, I was slapped into this reality years ago in a relationship that I was in. I wouldn't call it a relationship. It was a tryst at best. Lady was a co-worker. Very nice and kind. And she wanted my phone number, and I thought that was kind of odd. Damn, why is she asking for my number? She said, yeah, I want to talk to you about certain things here at the job. Gave her my number. She didn't give me hers. She said, I'll call you. That was suspicious right there. One, she approached me. Two, she didn't want to give me her number. 
She called me up later on that Friday night. And she was like, well, what are you doing? I said, nothing much. She says, well, can I come over? I want to talk to you about something. She came over. The only thing we talked about was sex, and that's all we did. She stayed over Saturday. And I mean, we were just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Wheelbarrow, cowgirl, reverse cowgirl. It, it was wicked. We did some crazy stuff. But that Monday when I came back to work, she acted like I didn't exist. I tried one time when she came into work, I told her good morning. She said nothing back. Good morning like I would tell anyone else in the company. After that, I said, okay, all liaisons are cut. I didn't bother calling her back. I didn't bother trying to carry on a conversation with her. I left it as that. And some people want to try to find closure. They want to try to find out the reason, the rationale. But then it started dawning on me. More than likely she was married. More than likely she had a boyfriend. Who knows? I didn't know her situation. She didn't explain it, didn't want to talk about it. I said, okay, fine. Now, here's the thing. You'll run across situations like that. Some of you ladies run across this. He's the guy you wouldn't mind being with. And sometimes he'll charm you out of your panties on the first date. And then you have this emotional connection, but you have all this guilt and everything associated with what you did. Virus remorse and all that rest of that stuff. The regrets. Sleeping with him too soon. And then he doesn't call you, doesn't talk to you anymore. He ghosts you. Now you feel used, you feel bad, you feel compromised. You feel violated in a way. For this reason, a lot of women don't sleep on the first date. But there are some who do. And those who do, more times, out of, more times than you believe, what is actually happening, they have already sorted things out. So they don't have that guilt, shame, or anything else. They want to get laid, boom, they go do it. After it's done, no more interaction with the guy, they move on. I tell you, one of the craziest things in the world is to have slept with someone and then being in the same proximity of them and the two of you don't even communicate. But in a way, you look at it, that's some discretion for your ass right there. I mean, being discreet like I don't know what, right? Can't beat that, talking about confidentiality. That's the way it is. You remember on The Best Man, when Tay Diggs had slept with uh, Morris Chestnut's uh, woman in the movie, his soon to be bright, bright in the movie. 
and it was never brought up until he read the book. You know, folks, sometimes what happens, there are relationships that have taken place in the past among the same colleagues that you've been around for years and you'd have no idea. You have no idea. I remember one time me and this young lady were together and I had no idea that a friend of mine was starting to date her. He never talked about her with me or nothing of that sort in the beginning stages. Well, with she and I, it was like we were just uh, bedroom buddies. But she was starting up a relationship with my friend. But here's the interesting thing. She did not know that he and I were friends. I didn't know that he was seeing her. He didn't know I was dealing with her. And the way we found out was after she and I decided to end it. And then she invited me to her birthday party. And that's when I saw the two of them together. Now, I wasn't emotionally scarred or hurt by it or anything like that because we ended on amicable terms. Once she found out that we were friends, she took me to the side and said, please don't. I said, oh, you don't have to worry about that. That would never happen. They eventually got engaged, and later on they got married. I think they were married for like 10 years, and then they divorced. But he never knew. Because I didn't want to blow it for him. I didn't want to vote for her. And besides, why should he know anyway? How would that matter? It would have made her look worse than me in the sense that he would have been under the impression that she was playing around with two dudes at the same time. And that wasn't the case at all. She had no idea that I knew him. He had no idea I knew her. These things happen, folks. And when they do, you have to really think them through. But one thing I want you to get out of this segment, if nothing else, and that is you will encounter people in your life that you can't apply expectations to because they may not warrant expectations because of the short period that you'll be together or it may be a situation where if you involved yourself with this person you would be gravely disappointed because they could never measure up to what you were looking for so sometimes it's best to not set expectations to people to keep your standards and expectations intact more in a moment, folks.
Hi everyone, Jocelyn here at Romantic Truth, and we're going to talk about profligacy. What is this term? It has to do with the overspending, the splurging, the decadence, the purchasing of um, items or the exploitation of resources that are not really warranted. In other words, spending over the top, gaudy spending, elaborate spending, profligacy. Now, Let's talk about a few things here. I looked at a study that was conducted by LendingTree.com in regards to men and women dating. And it came down to cost. Now, one thing that I realized in 2019 in this study, men spent on an average of $897 for that year on dating. Women spent $500. So, there's a difference about $397, right? That men spend more than women. And a lot of this has to do with traditions. A lot of this has to do with uh, the mindset of an individual. As far as, I'm the man, I pay. And of course, in this way, it's the norm in our society. Now with women, some of them paid Dutch. Some of them actually paid for the date. And it varies. Now, on average, between both genders, they spent about $697 on dates that year, on average. So now, what does this uh, tell you? This tells you that traditions are still valid as far as dating. There are men out there that are still taking on the responsibility of covering the dates. Not a problem. Where we run into problems though is when you start getting into the decadence. When they start making demands for five and six star restaurants. Here's the problem. And yes, there are six star and seven star restaurants out there. Here's the problem, folks. There are issues when it comes down to many times the experience of these individuals. They may have grown up in poverty. They may have never had. And so they make these over-the-top requests for things. And a lot of these men will wind up spending money on things that will actually yield no value when it comes down to the quality of the relationship and in some cases even the quality of the person. Now, true enough, we shouldn't put a value on a human being but here's the thing you have to look at also businesses do it all the time with us they pay an insurance premium up to a certain amount then after that they're like basically every man for himself God for us all the strong will survive and the weak will fall right now they can make a jet foolproof as far as for a person not dying but it would cost so much to do that they don't do it so what this means primarily is that when it comes down to relationships you have to measure the cost and the value of what you'll probably get out of that situation and what I mean by this is this fundamental thing you know, 
I talked about how some people you don't apply standards or expectations to. And you know going in is not going to go anywhere based on even the preliminary assessment of what you're doing. But some of you still go through with the day hoping for a miracle. You need to follow your instinct. And you also need to be wise. Throwing money at a situation will not make things better. Look at the war on poverty that we've had in this country. We've done trillions of dollars at this over time. What has it yielded? Nothing more than more poverty. Because of the way it was implemented. So what we have to understand is that when we talk about doing things like this, trying to impress that person, trying to lavish them with a whole bunch of gifts, we have to come to the realization that we're probably throwing good after bad especially if this person makes it a requirement. And this is the rule of thumb, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies, if a man tells you you need to impress him, that's your answer as far as the relationship. You don't need to go any further. Consider it done. He's being condescending, and he's putting himself on a pedestal and saying you have to measure up. That's what he's saying. Now, Let's go on the other end of the spectrum. Fellas, you get that woman that tells you she wants a five, six, seven star restaurant. If she has to ask for it, she doesn't deserve it. And here's why I say this. If she asks for an expensive gift, she doesn't deserve it. Instinctively, gentlemen, You know when a woman deserves you to invest in her. When a woman is trying to incentivize you to invest in her, that's not a good deal. She shouldn't have to do that. Just being who she is is enough of an incentive if she's worth it. But if she's always downplaying things that's a red flag I dated a lady that was out of Compton living in her mom's house walking around with the latest purse the latest fashion the car she drove she really didn't drive it out of the city had over 100,000 miles on it, oil leaks. She had none of the tires matched to all different manufacturers, one Firestone, one Goodyear, one Dunlap, the other was a Cooper. But yet, she tried to bring this persona as if she was of money, of resources, of means of wealth. So I met this lady through a friend. And took her out. We went to dinner. And while we were out, she started name dropping about all the celebrities she knew, about all of the nice places that she has been to. And as she was talking about all of these things, I'm asking myself, 
you've invested in things in order to enhance your status, but you haven't invested in things that would enhance you. Yes, she had the hair weave, she had the fake eyelashes, contact lenses, all that stuff. But it was all superficial. At the core, she was empty. There was nothing there. She had confidence in talking about other things. More confidence than talking about herself. When I asked her questions about herself, she deflected to celebrities she knew. She deflected to other things. She didn't want to talk about herself. And I saw her hiding. And I'll never forget, I'd taken her to Mr. Charles in Beverly Hills. And she made the comment, well, next time we need to go somewhere a little bit more classier. And I'm saying to myself, lady, you can't afford anything classier. And it was really a juxtaposition taking her back home to where she lived where I had to lock my doors in the car. And I had to wait until she went inside the house behind that iron door. And then I had to make sure that I got to the freeway before somebody rolled up on me. But that was her way of fighting the reality for what she was dealing with. And what she failed to realize was buying all these things, going on all these trips, getting away. She was actually throwing away her wealth, the very thing that could have gotten her out of poverty. She was blowing it to make herself feel better. In the hopes of finding someone that could pull her out of that situation. Now, was it wrong because she was poor? No. Was it wrong that she lived in confidence? Absolutely not. But what was wrong is the mindset and her priorities. They were all messed up. Because her inferiority complex pushed her to spend hundreds of dollars on her hair. Hundreds of dollars on diamonds. Hundreds of dollars on shoes and purses. But yet, she didn't invest in herself as far as her education. As far as saving money to get out of the neighborhood she lived in. Where she could walk to the corner store without being afraid. And sometimes people are conditioned to their environment and even though they want to get out of it they wind up finding comfort in it. And of course that was our first and last day and I told my friend I said you really don't know her that well. And she was like well what do you mean? She's a good girl. I see her at work every, every other day. I said yeah. I said but here's the problem. Her aspirations far exceed her capabilities. And I explained to my friend at that time that 
Everybody has boundaries. I said, even I have limitations, just like everyone else. If I can't afford something, I don't deal with it. But see, there's some folks that feel as though they belong in every environment. But then when they get their feelings hurt, then the world is mean to them. Again, universal acceptance is a myth. And people don't want to be rejected. They they want to numb themselves to the reality of life. And you can't do that. Because no matter how you try to do it, reality, truth, is just like water. It will figure a way to get through cracks and crevices. That's the way it works. And no matter how hard you try running away from your reality and and the things you have to be accountable for, you'll never outrun the truth. The reason being, the very thing you're outrunning is already with you. And it's very difficult at times to face it. It's very difficult at times to embrace it. It's very difficult at times to acknowledge that, hey, maybe I've gone as far as I can go with this. And we may not like that reality. We may may not like the outcome of it. But here's the thing. As long as you're grounded, especially going into a relationship, you got a starting point. Instead of creating a superficial, artificial standard as a starting point, a five-star, six-star, seven-star restaurant that really has no bearing on you because you probably can afford that restaurant maybe once every three or four months. It's not a normal everyday standard. You know, a friend of mine told me something about women a long time ago. She said, there are some women out there who look at a date as Christmas and they see the guy that's taking them out to Santa Claus and in some cases I found that to be true in other cases I found women to be very practical and I tell these guys all the time if you're going on a date and your woman has a coupon and she's telling you hey Let's save that money. Let's do this. Compliment her for that because you know what? She's already looking for the best interest in the couple, the two of you together. She's showing concern. She's looking at it from the standpoint where you're paying for the meal. Hell, I'm going to contribute and help you with saving. And it's not a requirement, ladies, but here's the thing. It gives the man a favorable impression of you when you do something like that. Because what that does for him, and I'm talking about a respectable man, I'm not talking about any of these simps or idiots out there. 
what, what he will do then, he will say, she has integrity. She cares. She could have very well kept that coupon to herself and used it for her own endeavor. But she chose to share. And it's an added plus. Things like this is what get you ahead. A lot of you sisters out there wondering why these women of other races kind of get their head start. Things like this is what they do, those touches that they do. Many of these sisters out there who have black men and they do things like this, this is the reason why they get those men. It's not about the bedroom. It's about the way they work together. It's the teamwork. These are the things that attract men. You're the only people that are concerned about your hair, your eyelashes, because you tear each other down about those things. You're not going to have a guy that said, girl, you need, to, you need to just go and uh, put a weave in your head. Girl, you need to go on and do this. Men aren't going to say that to you. And let me tell you something for many of you others that run across those guys that talk about they don't, they want to, you know, tear down women. Ladies, let me tell you something. The reason why many of those guys act that way is because they couldn't get you in the first place. And what they're trying to do is a technique where they're trying to lower your self-esteem. So they actually will have a shot at being with you. That's the reason why they do it. I wonder if God could be as handsome as hell. But here's the thing. By tearing you down, giving you the backhanded compliments and those kind of things, oh, you look nice in a dress if you lost 20 pounds, that kind of thing. You're already in a place where they can't step to you. And so what they have to do is to criticize you and shame you into being with them. Just like some women try to shame men into being with them. When a person gets to that point of shaming, whether it's a man or woman, to get you to interact with them, to have a conversation with them, or even to argue with them, they're working from a place of, the, of desperation. Not a place of power. A place of weakness. The guy is hoping with a backhanded compliment that he can get that insecure woman who's attractive and then break her down to his level. That's the way it works. Because if you notice, most men will never criticize a woman about her physical appearance. And you have a lot of guys that talk about, I don't, I don't mess around with fat chicks, blah, 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 blah. Many of them lie, and they lie to their buddies because they don't want to ruin their image with their friends. You know the fat chick that hangs around the bar at night? Rarely does she go home by herself. Now, she may not have the first choice like a lot of these other women do, 
but she still has choices. And that's what you have to understand. So, you have to look at a man that's criticizing you, ladies, as someone who wished they could be with you. And besides, you wouldn't want to be with them anyway. Because if they had to go negative about your physical appearance, what do you think would happen in a relationship with them? So, when you see someone who's trying to shame you, whether it's because you're dating someone of a different race, whether you're dating someone who's older or younger, whether it's a situation where you may be heavy set, rubinous, fat, call it whatever you like. As long as you're happy with it, as long as you love yourself, that's all that matters. Because that person that's spewing out all of those negative vibes, if they had the opportunity, they would still love to be with you. They're just trying to go in a roundabout way in order to make you feel sorry for them, so you will. Same thing for you, fellas. There are women out there who will say something like, you got a little dick, or you're this or you're that. If the two of you were alone, or you guys could actually talk, you'd be surprised how that hard shell will soften up when she's not around an audience. Because see, at that point, she'd be vulnerable. People like to show out when they're in large groups. Because then they have people to back them. That's the reason why people troll on the internet so much. Because of their anonymity and the volume of people on the internet. Now just think if you had to put your name, social security number and all that in order to get an account on the internet. You wouldn't see all of that or an address and phone number and all those things. That would diminish because they'd have to be accountable. They'd have to be responsible. And of course, that's absurd. That would never happen because of privacy laws. We understand that. But what you have to understand too is that a lot of these people do this because they don't like themselves. This is one thing you will run across perpetually in dating. People will try to project what they don't like about themselves onto you. Whether they're poor, whether they're not feeling well about themselves physically, they're going to try to do that. More in a moment, folks. everyone, Jocelyn here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, and let's take a look and see what else is in the mailbag. Okay, Connie writes the following. 
I've listened to your podcast. I love your show. And I have a question to ask you. I'm dating this guy. He's from the South. I'm living here in San Francisco. He's gorgeous, but God, is he slow. I don't mean that in a bad way, but he really is. I could tell a joke. It would take him about a good two to three minutes to process it. He's not the sharpest crayon in the box, but he's handsome. He wants to have a relationship with me, and so far I've been kind of reluctant to make a full commitment. I just can't bring myself to do it. And one of the things that he told me that really turned me off was that he was in special ed back in school. On the surface, He's a strikingly handsome man. Men and women look at him all the time. But when he opens his mouth, God save us all. I'm afraid to go in the bedroom with him. We haven't done that yet. And he's made some overtures to that effect. But for the most part, I know if I do it, I'll be at a disadvantage with him. Because that means that I'll be stuck with him probably for the duration because he's going to want more. Most men who have been with me, they've always wanted more. Not to brag or anything, but I'm good at what I do. I'm just afraid, though, that if I go and turn that corner with him, that it's going to wind up being a bad situation. I would love to hear what your input would be because that may really help influence my decision. I understand you don't like making judgments for people, so I will make the choice, but your input would really help. Okay, my dear, this is what I would tell you. If you're not comfortable with them, don't do it. Don't do it. Now, it could be very difficult dealing with those types of relationships where you have to repeat yourself Uh, they're not really paying attention and so they may be kind of clustered in their thinking I've dated a few people like that in the past and uh, I think what you're hung up on here is the quality of the package and you need to look at the contents now here's the thing that you have to come to grips with also how comfortable are you with them I don't think you're that comfortable with them. I think you're comfortable with the presence of being with them as far as recognition you get, the stares, the glares, and those kind of things. But beyond that, you got a problem. Because he's going to be someone that you'll probably have to keep silent a lot of times. Uh, you probably will have problems taking him out to social events in that he may embarrass you. And, and, you know, you may be dealing with uh, a very challenging situation. Like I was talking about the gentleman who's 35 that was dealing with a 29-year-old that has now come down and been diagnosed with dementia at such a very young age. In fact, they're supposed to be using her in some kind of research study in order to try to figure out how that came about, whether it was in some way genetic or maybe a one-off, who knows. 
But in any case, when you're dealing with disabled or challenged people, see, all disabilities are not physical. Mine is physical. Some may be developmentally. When it comes down to people may not be able to develop at a certain clip or a certain pace and they become frustrated because they can't keep up and therefore they may shut down or they may be rather rude by saying, hey, you know, I can't do this or whatever. But these individuals have a very low tolerance in most cases. They become irritated very quickly. And the problem with these types of relationships, they get to a point where they come across the wrong way. And so it's more or less like it may be rather demeaning the way they talk to you, the way they treat you, or very condescending. This is where you don't want to go, especially from San Francisco, because you're in the bastion of uh, condescension. Because that is one place where I can truly say you have a lot of condescending liberal women. So here's what I would say to you. It's not fitting properly. You already know this. Uh, I don't know how you need to be convinced that it could go any other way. I just don't know. And uh, the thing you have to look at, too, is that there's a good possibility that this is going to come up again in a relationship. And here's the thing you have to realize. If this ever comes up in an argument, you're going to cut it real deep with it. So this is something going into the relationship you know you have to temper yourself on because you've already observed that he's a little bit slow and his comprehension of things. Don't use that to your advantage to win an argument, please, because that will crush him. The only thing I can say, if you're in that relationship, you got to be sensitive about that. But if you sleep with him, like you said, he's going to be with you for an extended period of time. By far. See, another thing, too, is this. People with disabilities sometimes think that that person they're with is the only person that would ever love them or want them in life. And so they feel kind of desperate about that. And you don't want that to take place either. You don't want to feel like somebody's doing you a favor by loving you, by being with you. That's a real bad feeling. Since my situation with my vision... I've had that happen to me once so far. I went out with a lady a while back, and it was horrible. The whole time she commented about my eyes. She commented about how I couldn't see and how that's going to be a detriment and a burden to her. And I said, well, being that you didn't say anything about this in the beginning... And she said, well, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I said, you can't hurt my feelings because I don't value you or your opinion that high. I said, please, don't ever 
overestimate yourself as having that much influence with me. I said, now, what we can do, we can reel it back a bit and be a little bit more logical about our approaches in life. Meaning that you and I are obviously incompatible. You have a problem with my disability, I accept that. Don't have a problem with it. You don't have to accept me. Folks, when I talk about universal acceptance as being a myth, this is a prime example. I voluntarily told her, you don't have to accept me for my disability. Because of one reason. She has the freedom to walk away. And so she said, well, maybe we could be friends. I said, no, you don't have to do that either. That'd be a burden as well. Let's leave it the way it was when we in the beginning. I didn't know you, you didn't know me, and the world spun mighty righteous without us knowing each other. And she said, well, you know, I didn't mean to come. I said, no, that's okay. I said, but at least you let me know how you feel. So with that, and she's like, well, I'm sorry. I feel like, I said, you don't, I said, no need to feel guilty. That's something you did. You got to forgive yourself. I said, as far as I see it, you told me something I already knew about myself, about my disability, about my limitations. But at least now you know. And she's like, well, I thought when you told me about your disability that it would be a situation that I think I could stomach. But after, I said, no, you don't have to qualify it. I said, here's the thing you got to realize. If a person's dying, what do most people do? They pray for them. It's like a tug of war. Death is pulling on one arm. Hope and optimism is pulling on the other of that person. Sometimes the things you don't desire win out over the things you do. In this case, the thing you didn't desire won out. I don't have a problem with it. I said, it's not like my life ends because of your decision. It's not like I feel bad because you said no. It's not like you in some kind of way going to impact my life by saying no. I don't know you. So therefore, when it comes down to it, there is no impact. As far as rejection, you fall into the line of so many hundreds of other women who have rejected me in the past, so it doesn't matter. And sometimes you have to establish that in order to make sure things are okay. Because if you don't, that could be very problematic. Because if a person sees that you're uncomfortable after they have said something that was true and obvious, then they know you have a problem with the truth itself. But as long as you can point that thing out, and they understand it, then you're in pretty good shape. You don't have to worry about a thing. But it all boils down to the way people treat you folks. Now, let's go on here. 
Alan writes the following. I don't know about you, dude, but maybe this is a coincidence, but I've dated about nine Pisces women in my life, and they all have been fucked up, and they've all had a fucked up life. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, and from what I've understand by living, listening to your podcast, you're also a Pisces. I'm a Gemini, and yet we have our problems too. Your thoughts, please. Well, sir, here's the thing I will tell you. I don't know what it is. There are very few Pisces women, I mean very few that I can get along with, let alone talk about depending on and trusting. I met one so far. The majority of the Pisces women I've met have been horrible. In the sense that there are a few things that happen. And I'm a Pisces male. And what I had to do was some of the stereotypical characteristics that are associated with us, I had to break the norm on that. Because I found myself falling into the category of some of the negative uh, overtures of that particular zodiac sign. Now, as you know, I'm not one, I'm a skeptic when it comes to zodiac. Just me in general. But one thing I will tell you, there are some things that are valid as far as I see them. One, when it comes down to that characteristic where Pisces sometimes cannot make decisions, they take on too many things at one time, they have a very, very high rate of starting things and not completing them, because they take on too many tasks at once. That's the reason why I had to pull back years ago and start completing tasks incrementally. Finish one, start another one, and have a plan to finish it. Most Pisces operate without plans. They will go half-ass into something, worry about the consequences later. It's a very emotional sign. Another thing, with Pisces that I had to really work on with myself because I did all the heavy lifting. Procrastination is one thing that Pisces do a lot of. And I had to kick my own ass on that. That's one of the reasons why you get a show every day instead of when I used to do it sporadically. Because sometimes Pisces conflate spontaneity and creativity with being consistent and good. They may feel as though just because I feel it and I do it, it must be good. Let me put it out there. Instead of being a little bit more considerate. A lot of Pisces aren't considerate. That's another thing. A lot of them can be used very easily because many of them are very gullible. That's the reason why I had to get myself up to par on the dating scene and educating myself as I went along and take those life learning lessons and use them to the fullest of my ability. Another thing too, Bison women will always wind up in relationships that are really messed up. Very few of them actually have a relationship where they're with a partner and there are no strings attached with 
a lot of other overhead associated with them. They may still be in another relationship. These things are constant in the realm of Pisces. You see a lot of this. A lot of you ladies that mess around with Pisces men. What do you always say about Pisces men? You say Pisces men always lie to you. That's one thing that I fought hard never to do. Tell the truth no matter how bad it hurts. You only have to tell that one time. A lie, you got to tell a thousand. Those kind of things. Pisces like to put themselves in a place where they are really not. So they want to be this uh, celebrity or whatever. And they want to act the role but not necessarily live the role because they don't have the resources. Now, these are not bad people. I'm just pointing out some of the characteristics that you have to deal with. Many of them that have a correlation based on that zodiac sign. It doesn't mean that it's 100% true or that it's grounded. But like he had the experience, I've had similar experiences with Pisces women. And what I've found overall, a lot of them, I've never been able to trust. There's been only one Pisces woman, and I'm with her now that I've found that there's a connection with. Now, usually, I get along with Leo and Gemini's better. The reason being, they seem to plan a lot better. They're more structured. And that was one thing that I had to focus on and work on, was being more structured. A lot of people, when you're creative, you let that creative vibe just takes over. And yes, true enough, you can have all the creativity in the world, but you got to have a practical approach in order to harness that creati- creativity for a purpose. This is where people kind of get it out there and not really figure out a way. So there are a lot of challenges being under that zodiac sign with the dual fish going in opposite directions. Or is it the same direction? It's the same direction. It's a lot to deal with in that regard. So, you may be walking up on a coincidental situation. Uh, Capricorns are pretty cool. Aries, I found, are very selfish overall. Cancers, cancers will emotionally get you into a relationship and duck the hell out whenever it's convenient. They are very sentimental. So, cancers you have to watch because you hurt their feelings, boy. It can go a long way. They can emote for days. Um, Also, let's see here. Who else? Um, When you deal with um, Capricorn, uh, Cancers and uh, Scorpios, they're pretty structured and strategic. Scorpios will usually have things taken care of without telling their partner. Taurus, if you ever want to grow, you have to find a Taurus that is more optimistic when it comes to growth. A lot of Tauruses will like to hold you back. They like the way things are. They don't want to change anything. They play it safe. So if you're a person that's an entrepreneur, somebody's going out for business, that person may be the one to hold you back under the auspices of keeping you grounded. 
you have to watch that a lot of will impede your growth. Sagittarius, they're usually too busy for relationships. They will break a date for a business meeting. A relationship is more like an afterthought with a Sagittarius. Virgos, haven't had too many interactions with Virgos, but the ones that I've did have been okay, nothing really ground-shattering. Libras, they're okay, but what I found with Libras, they will lead you on to a certain point, and they love to lay things out to you that may be very heavy to digest in one setting. One thing I'll give credit for, they do give you all that information up front. And people call it TMI, but you'd rather know what you're dealing with before you get involved. Libras are usually very upfront about that. Aquarius. Aquarius will give you an opportunity to have a relationship with them. But when you get past that window of opportunity, forget it. They're done. They don't hang around. Now, this is just my general assessment of the zodiac signs. But I would tell you, it's up to you. And this is based only on my experience. Others may have different experiences. But I just found that Pisces women, a lot of times I can't trust, trust their judgment because they sometimes will think things to a certain point but not think them through all the way. When it comes to Aries, Aries are okay for a short-term relationship. I would never get involved with them long-term. Just doesn't work out. That'd be better off as friends than anything else because they're always looking for the better deal. And of course, Gemini. Gemini, believe it or not, for me, have been the most compatible yet challenging. But with Geminis, as far as the sex, you can't beat a Gemini in the bedroom. You just can't. I don't know what it is with them. They're good in the bedroom. And I'm only speaking from my experience. They're good in the bedroom. They're okay with relationships, but at any point, they can be influenced by someone outside the relationship to make changes in it. That's the downside with Gemini. They have that external trigger. But it's up to you, sir. This is not rocket science. All right, more in a moment. Now here's something that will help you when it comes down to determining whether or not you're with the right person. See, a person who has time for you will do just that. They'll prioritize you and therefore they will make time for you. If you're less important to them, 
they will make excuses for you. Excuses as to why they can't be with you or choose not to be with you. See, here's the thing. What they want to do is to hold your interest, but while they're holding your interest, they want to pursue others, only come back to you in the event that pursuit comes up negative. That's what it's about. That's all it's about with them. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind about this type of mindset. It's selfish. Self-serving. Another thing, too. These individuals may also do something like have you not have validation about your own feelings. So, when you get to second-guessing yourself in the relationship... Maybe I shouldn't have uh, asked him about what he was doing, being that he was coming home at 3 o'clock in the morning on a weeknight. What you're doing at that point, you're actually gaslighting yourself to a certain degree. And then what you also do is you also lower your perception of your feelings and yourself by saying, well, it could be better. It could be a lot worse. It could be worse. I could be here doing this or doing that. Or I could be in a bad relationship where this would be worse. These are things that you're doing in order to make yourself feel better about complacency. Because the whole thing is, as long as you can still justify it and qualify it in your head, this is what keeps you in bad and toxic relationships. Because you never grow out of that circle. You never get off that hamster wheel. You stay on it. Because you're hoping that things will get better. But they are supposed to get better. Quote unquote. Through osmosis. Basically. With you doing nothing. But hoping that at some point. That individual will get it. And a lot of times people will give up. When it comes down to their opinion. When something needs to be addressed in a relationship. The partner becomes Teflon, they don't recognize it, and they look at you like you have four heads. And the reason why they do that is because they're expecting you to self-reflect and then to start really reevaluating your own thought process and feelings. See, when a person has you doing this, what they're doing is they're manipulating you at a point where you actually start to self-police and do it to yourself. And so you come up with excuses. You come up with reasons why that person decided to go out with their friends as opposed to taking you on a date that night and you guys haven't been on a date in months. Now, I have dated women in the past who have been in long-term relationships and even marriages and they had not dated in months and sometimes years. It's been a situation where Netflix and chill, they go in, they have a good time, they party, then after they finish, it's like, we saved money, we didn't have to go out. We stayed at home, the same place they've been for a good duration of their relationship. And so that person is looking at it from that perspective. And the other partner may want to say, hey, let's get out of the house. Let's go somewhere. Let's do something. But that person wants to have everything there at home self-contained. 
Now, there's some people who are genuinely homebodies and prefer to be at home as opposed to out in the streets. Nothing's wrong with that. But here's the thing. It has to be mutual. Both parties have to, have to agree on it. I've seen couples that refused to leave the house unless they really had to. It was a big deal for them to go to the grocery store or to the mall because they liked the comfort of home. There's nothing wrong with that. You have others who can't stand their home and they stay out in the street. I had a friend of mine whose apartment was so small that it was in a very swanky area of Los Angeles. But honest to goodness, you could throw a rock in that apartment and it could ricochet off of every wall and hit everything in that whole apartment. But he only liked staying there on the weekends. During the week, he hated it. It was too confining, too small. The kitchen was nothing more than just a path between the refrigerator and the stove. And he was paying a considerable amount of money for where he was living. But he wanted that noteworthy address because status was a big thing to him. And of course, he would try to impress women only to be deflated when they'd come into this beautiful place and they'd see how small his place was. And the first thing they would tell him is, well, I live in another city and I have twice the space you have for what you pay. And of course, that became a factor. And he hated living at home, he hated staying there. So what he would do is spend most of his time at these other women's residents that lived in a cheaper area, but had more space. And it became an issue for him. And then when he did get a girlfriend, the expenses increased as well. And she moved in with him, and she was looking for a larger place in that same uh, condominium complex. The only problem was he was at his price point as to what he could afford in that one bedroom. And of course, that was a bone of contention in their relationship. You want to have something where the two of you can thrive in an environment. And some people will say, I'm used to or accustomed to this kind of environment, so I'm going to bring you here with me. And that's not always a good idea. That could be a deal breaker for some people. Let me give you an example. I met a lady one time. She lived in Colorado. She was out in Los Angeles visiting. And she was only in LA for about a couple of months. And we had a chance meeting at Cucaroos on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. And so we decided that, okay, what we'll do, we'll go and just play it by ear and we'll just date with no real expectations for the future. You remember when I told you a while back about not having expectations for certain relationships? This was one of them. Well, she started to add expectations because she liked me and we got along very well. And she says, oh, you'll do so well in Colorado. I can see you in Colorado. You work in IT. I can see you getting a good job at the University of Colorado or somewhere like that, blah, 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 blah. She went on and on. Well, at first it sounded impressive. And then I really had to face a few facts. I wasn't moving to Colorado. Now, before she left, 
she actually wanted to speed up the relationship towards a commitment. And she wanted me to come visit her in Colorado. This seemed all well and good, but my expectations for her wasn't high enough to warrant me going to Colorado to visit or be with her. We had a good time in L.A., but when it came down to me relocating, it's what she wanted me to do, it wasn't going to happen. And then I started thinking, if I start visiting her, that's going to give her the wrong impression. Because at that point, she's going to try to definitely put on the the PR move. Pretty much like people get suckered into coming here for a timeshare presentation here at Vegas in one of the hotels. And so I told her, I said, well, we agreed that we were going to have a short-term relationship. It was going to start and it was going to end, what you did. She wrote me a couple of weeks afterwards, texted me and let me know how things were going. And then after that, didn't hear from her. I was cool with that. And sometimes you have to do that, folks. But here's the thing I'm telling you. I didn't like Colorado. I've been there before. No shade against Colorado. Just don't like it. And so it was out. I'm not a person that likes to live out of the way. I want to always have the things that I need at my disposal, such as health care, those kind of things. I don't want an ambulance to have to go 100 miles just to get me to a hospital if I were to get sick. I don't want to have to go 15, 20 miles to the grocery store. That's not my kind of living. Now, there are other people who may thrive in that environment, not me. By the same token, I don't want to live in a cluttered urban area. Like that mid-Wilshire area in Los Angeles would drive me crazy. So it has to be more of a quasi-urban, suburban area. We have access to different things, but you're not crowded or packed into one concentrated area. This is the reason why I would never do well in New York. New York City, no way to hell. And with this said, what you see a lot of times, people will go and blindly follow people into other reaches of the country and the world sometimes and then wind up where the relationship may end and now they got to rebuild their lives in that community a community they didn't even choose so i learned this when i married max wife we moved to a city called fontana california didn't know much about it. Knew the clan had a, a hole down there back in the 30s. But that was about it. And it was an up-and-coming community. And eventually, it was okay. But here was the thing. After our marriage was over, I still stayed there. And it was like being marooned, in a way. You have to go where you feel comfortable. You just can't allow yourself to just wander. And especially if the person 
is telling you, oh, you need to come here. Just drop what you're doing and come here. I met a lady a couple of months ago that lived in Bangor, Maine. And she wanted me to pack up and move to Maine as if I was just going to do that. I appreciate the thought, but uh -uh, not here. These things, your environment has to be discussed. And a lot of times, one party or the other will make the decision. And in some cases, that could be good and it could be bad. I had a friend recently that moved to Michigan from California. Sold their home, made a pretty good amount of money off the home sale. Got to Michigan, bought this old Victorian house that they really liked. But it was only one problem. The wife liked the house, but some of the circumstances associated with the house she hated. House was always cold. Then when it would get heated up, it would become too stuffy for her. She didn't like the people in the environment around her. And it led to one thing after the other with her. And eventually she moved back to California. He still stayed in Michigan. And they're trying to figure out how they're going to continue their marriage that way. Sometimes we move just because it's cheaper to live somewhere else. And we don't consider the lifestyle that we're going to be living in that new environment. We don't consider that we may have to take a cut and pay. We don't consider that, true enough, housing may be cheaper, but something else may go up, such as insurance. Like, for instance, in Vegas, people are coming here for cheap housing in California, right? They get here and they realize automobile insurance is through the roof. The prices of automobiles are through the roof here. Yet, even though gas is cheaper, housing may be a little bit cheaper, food may be a little bit cheaper. You still come out.
Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.